Our study today is entitled, A Place of Love. A Place of Love. And we're going to jump right in, and let's just talk about this, guys. I've got a question for you. What is love? What is love? Yeah, you know it. What is love? It's such a question, they make songs about it, you know? Don't hurt me. <laughs> Do you have an answer to that question? What is love? Love is God. Okay, that's a good, safe answer. What else? Time. Love is time. What is love to you? Truth. Unconditional. Strong feelings of affection. Kindness. Patience. Sacrifice. Love is a choice. Is love a noun? A verb? Both? Love is a noun. Love is a verb. Right? It's something that you have. It's something that you do. Right? Love. Now, the world talks all about, you know, the Beatles wrote this song, and the whole world just believes that all you need is love. And while that's true, all that we need is love, do we understand what love is? We could say all we need is love. Love makes the world go round. But what is love? I don't know. I have some ideas. What is love? You know, there are so many different types of love. Today we're going to be looking at, very quickly, four types of love that are in the Bible. Uh, we have here at the top right, we have the storge. Storge. This is a familial love. This is probably the first love anybody would know in their life. Um, it's a familial love. So when a, a child is born, there's this closeness, this bond, right, that they would have with their mother. The mother's breastfeeding, you know, and there's this skin to skin. You know, when our kids are born in the hospital now, they, they don't take the child away to some nursery. Um, the child doesn't leave you, right? And they say right away, skin, skin on skin. And they want you to create that close bond with the child right away. Um, this is the first things of love that we're feeding into this new life. You want to make sure they, they know somebody's there to keep them warm, somebody's there to provide for them, somebody's there to protect them, you know. Storge love is that familial love or empathic love. And this comes naturally, okay? Um, you never had to be a parent before you had the child, but as soon as that child comes, there's just something in you. It just comes naturally. It's like, oh, child, that's bond, you know. The next type of love we'll talk about is eros, all right? This sort of love is uh, sensual or romantic. Usually it's very physical as well, in a way. Um, it's almost selfish when we stop to think about it because you're getting something out of it that's satisfying some sort of need or desire that you might carry this eros love. You know, ha have you ever been in love before? Anybody? Have you been in love? Let me see your hand. Married people better have your hand up. <laughs> All right. Or maybe you've just been infatuated. Maybe you told yourself you were in love, 
And then you woke up one day and you're like, wait, hold on, I chose that? <laughs> I chose that? <laughs> the thing is, you chose it, all right? <laughs> um, but sometimes it's just those strong feelings that we have. Back in high school, you think, I would die for this girlfriend, you know? I will do everything for her. I'm never going to leave her side. I'm going to be there 24-7. I'll be her man. The following week is off with some other girl, all right? This eros love, as long as that need is being fulfilled somehow, you feel connected. Uh, codependency, right? Have you ever been, you've seen this codependent relationship that happens. People need each other. They want each other. They desire each other. But as soon as one person stops needing the other, what happens to that love? Not so romantic anymore. Not so sensual. Not so passionate anymore, okay? But this also comes naturally because God created us with a sex drive and with um, attractions and all those things awaken in us when we come of age, right? That comes naturally to us as well. And then we have this philia love. Philia love, like where we get that word Philadelphia, right? Um, this is a brotherly love, um, a brotherly or a friendship sort of love. This also comes naturally. Because we all know what it's like to feel a, a little bit alone. We all know what it's like to crave a, a place to belong, um, where, where we could just connect with other people. And um, if you're not connecting with them physically, people on social media, it just goes to show how real that craving is. We go to social media to, to fill that sense of friendship and connectedness. Um, before Facebook, there was um, something called Friendster. Do you guys still have your friends or is it like done? Gone. It's gone. Wow. High five. Asian Ave. Nobody had Asian Ave? Oh, I'm old, man. That's like before your time. Age myself. So, but with social media, that's why it's such a thriving thing when you look at things like Facebook or Instagram. Everybody wants to be part of a community somehow, somehow connected. Okay? And it's so much easier to do online because it doesn't require much of your time. It's just a flick of your thumb, and you're connected, okay? But this philia love, this also comes naturally. I mean, we were born with this desire to be connected with other people. That's how God designed us, okay? This philia love is a brotherly love that actually unites believers. As a church, this is the one love that we should all be aware of, okay? Because being the church, this is what God commands. Love each other, right? With this brotherly love. We call each other brother and sister in the church. Because we're all part of God's family and God is our father. All right? And this is the love that unites us in the church. And then we have agape love. Everybody say agape. It's not agape. It's agape. Okay? Agape love is God's love for mankind. Now, this agape love does not come naturally to us. We're not born with it. Okay? Remember, we're born sinners. All right? We're born with the natural things to uh, feel close bonds, empathic bonds with people, to feel friendship and goodwill towards others. We're born with a natural desire to connect physically with somebody else and have that loving um, relationship lived out. 
but God's love for mankind is something a bit more foreign. It's not, it doesn't come naturally to us. So what makes God's love different from all these other loves that we talk about? Let's look at the next slide first. So you see we have the storge, the eros, the agape, the philia, and you kind of see how they blend together. This is a cool, I really like this one here. If you have only the storge, the familial fondness love with the passion love, you blend those two together, and if that's all you have, you have a codependent relationship, all right? A close bond with somebody, and you're getting what you want out of it, right? I can't live without you. How could I live without you? Like all the songs on the radio, that's what it's singing about. It's singing about this storge and eros love, all right? How could I breathe without you, babe? You know? And they start yelling the song. I, like, I feel like I need to continue singing. It's, it's just not done, you know? <laughs> and then you have here, let, let's say it's eros and philia, right? Here it's the goodwill towards one another. It's a being friends with each other. But then some people also have those desires, and they're singles, and they're friends, and then something happens, and you start to date or you start to mess around. Dating and relationships, all right? It, it could be a healthy thing, too, you know? Um, my wife and I, we were just friends before we got married. We never dated, Okay, but we had a very strong philia sort of love, like our whole life. And then at some point, that eros love just kind of sprung in there. You know, it's like, wait, hold on, this is new. And instead of dating, we just decided, you know what, we're friends already. I trust this love. Let's go full on with this because we trusted God's love. And that eros love just became a natural part of it. So we, we just decided to get married instead of date. And then in that, you know, we started a family. We had a relationship. We were lifelong friends. You see, with the philia and the agape love, let's talk about those two. As the church, these are the two that we really need. Like as the church. The church is a place we ought to have lifelong friends, friendships we can trust okay? Because the agape love is there. We don't put our trust in people. We put our trust in God, all right? So if I could trust God, it's easier for me to be more vulnerable or trusting with other people. If my brother or sister doesn't want to forgive me, I could still be okay with them. Why? Because I know God has forgiven me. I know that I'm clear that God has forgiven me so that I could love that person that hasn't forgiven me yet. And then healing occurs in the church. You see? And it's really cool. These things have to work together in order to maintain these lifelong friendships. Okay. So let's jump into the Bible and see what it says here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8, what does love look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. 
It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Have you heard that one before? When you look at it closely and take time to read it, instead of just hearing it like a list of things, this is describing love. This is describing God's character. Okay? If you were to replace the words love and it with God, then you would get a good description of declaring what God is all about. God is patient. God is kind. God doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. He's not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs because he's forgiven you, hey? God does not delight in evil. He always rejoices in truth. God always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, I invite you to go home and read this passage. And wherever you see the word love or it, replace it with your name. All right? Maybe you won't get past the first line. Tim is patient. Oh. <laughs> or maybe you worked on the patience. Tim is kind. Oh. <laughs> you know? And it kind of gives you a picture of, you know, where am I like God in this? You know, is the love of God evident in my life? You know? Maybe you are patient. Maybe you are kind. But are you boastful? Are you selfish? Like all those things. I bet nobody in this room could make it through this entire list saying that is truth. Tim is this, Tim is that. No. No way, man. Only God, right? And that's why we're singing those songs about how great is God's love because there's no one else that can love like God loves. There's nobody else like God. He is perfect in all his ways. And that's why I could trust him. You know what I mean? I can trust God because He's faithful to this sort of character. Um, when I do something wrong, I don't have to be afraid of coming to God. I could confess my sin to him and because I know he loves me. He doesn't want to punish me. He wants to heal me and make that part of my life better. Right? Now, he, he's the only one that could fix you. Right? Don't go to a psychologist and only the psychologist. If you go to a psychologist for therapy, go there, but also go with Jesus. Okay? A psychologist can help you, yes, but they cannot transform you. Only God could transform you. Do you believe that love is a powerful thing? Yes, absolutely. I believe it. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Huh. God is love. How many of you here love others? I didn't say that you love everybody, but you love others. Let's participate. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to shame you. This is church. <laughs> We're family here. It's cool. All right? Let's get honest with each other here. How many of you still hate? That's honest. That's honest, right? <laughs> How many of you know God? If you know God, then you would know his love. 
If you know his love, then you ought to be loving others. You ought to be loving with God's love. Because God's love isn't just for you to hang on to for yourself. All right? God is love, huh? Well, love is an attribute of God. Love is a core aspect of God's character, his person. Everything God does is loving because he is love. Just as everything he does is just and right because he is just and righteous. He operates from a place of love. God operates from a place of love. What does that mean? Let's look at John chapter 3, 16. It says, right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his own and his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, you see, Jesus Christ, he knows the worst things about you, right? Jesus Christ knows your heart. All right, he dwells in you when you accept him, and he knows all the secret things in your heart, okay? A.W. Tozer says, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you the most. Think of the person that you love the most. You probably know everything about them. You know all the things that are wrong with them, all right? Yet you love them the most. How is that possible? It's possible for us to love other people with all their shortcomings, but we don't think it's possible for God to love us the most because we're so despicable. No, God knows all your shortcomings, but he loves you the most, probably more than you love yourself because that's just who God is. He can't hate you for being you. My child does something wrong. Do I hate them? No way, man. I love my kid. I love my kid enough to teach them the right way. You know? And if I could be that kind of father here on earth, what more our heavenly father being a father to us, his children? Oh, how he loves us. How great is his love. Thank you for the way that you love us, God, Father God. Do you appreciate God's love? I mean, you could go to church, you could study the Bible, you could do a, a subject study on love and think, oh yes, God's love is awesome because I'm using my intellect to deduce all that and come to my own conclusions that yes, God's love is great based on what I'm reading. <laughs> but are you experiencing God's love for yourself? How do we experience God's love? Let's continue reading here. Um, our next section is called Perfected Love Does. Okay? And we're looking at 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 to 18, and verse 12. This is how love is made complete, perfected, among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Let's look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete 
perfected in us. See, God's love, it has a purpose. Just like he created all, all things in creation, it has a purpose. And for God to extend his love to all of us here, he has a purpose in doing that. Okay? Perfected love does not mean flawless perfection. Okay? Sometimes as Christians, I think we strive to show people how flawless we are as um, godly Christians that love our brother and sister that we will put up a front. We will serve each other very kindly and then we turn our back and we mumble under our breath. Oh, here you go. Let me help you. Thank you. Thank you. And then you turn around. Oh, that guy is so ungrateful. Why do I keep doing this? Why are you snickering? Sometimes we do it. It's not flawless perfection. Perfected love means putting love into action. Okay? Putting love into action in order to fulfill its purpose and goal. In the passage we read, it was talking about the love being made complete, okay? Made complete or perfected. The goals need to be fulfilled. Are you fulfilling God's purposes for your life by living a life of love? It says there that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who... The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The one who fears still has work to be done in them. There's still God's love that needs to be experienced. God's love needs to be discovered. It's not a condemnation. It's not saying, oh, you're not good enough. Sometimes we use the passage and make other Christians feel really bad. Because, oh, wait, you call yourself a Christ follower? Why are you still like that? Excuse me, you just judged me. You know, like, that's not godly. That's not loving, all right? There's still work to be done. I love when you read it that way, right? The one who fears is God's not done with you yet, all right? But what are we fearing? Let's go a little bit more. There's James chapter 2, verse 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. This is talking about Abraham and Isaac and his devotion, his faith to God. It could also be seen as our faith to God is an act of worship. Our worship to God is loving God. Everything that we do, where our faith and our actions, they work together, okay, in order for that faith to be lived out, in order for the faith to be made complete. In the same way with love, to be made complete, it needs to be expressed, right? You could say, oh, I love this person, I love that person. In my heart, I love them. Oh, they know it. You don't express it in any way. They don't know your love. It, it doesn't connect with them. It doesn't change anything. It has no effect because it's just hoarded and kept inside. And it's not fair that God has expressed his love and we get to connect with that love and we hang on to it and we hoard it to ourselves. God loves me. He died for me. And one day I'm going to heaven and it's all about me, me, me. God, I chose you. What are you going to do for me today? God, it's about me. Worship me. How dare we make ourselves a God before the one true God? 
There's still a work to be done. Because love is not self-seeking, right? Love doesn't boast. It's not proud. So we can't say we love God and in the same breath be demanding of God. Why should we demand from God when he's already given us and promised us everything that we'll ever need? What are you still demanding? So we say we love God. I say I love God so I could get what I want from him. Sounds like that codependency sort of relationship. I'll stay with God as long as he's still giving me what I need. And I'll follow God to the ends of the earth as long as he's still making me comfortable here on this earth. How could we sing of God's great love and treat it like dirt? Treat it like it doesn't really have any effect on us. How could we claim God's love? And not do anything with it. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Let's just stop right there. Stop and consider that. You have some material possession, and you see a brother or sister in need, and you don't feel any compassion toward them, you don't pity them, you don't feel that there's anything you could do to help that person, how can the love of God be in that person? Let's continue. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, this is not to downplay the power of words, okay? There's great strength and power in words, right? God spoke the world, all creation, into existence. He spoke it with his word. Jesus was a word that became flesh, expressing God's love. So when we read the Bible and says, let us not love in word and speech only, right? Some people say, oh, talk is cheap. Let me see what you really got, right? I don't want to downplay the power of the word. But what is this verse talking about here? Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Sometimes we feel that just talking about love is enough. As long as they know that I love them, I tell my wife every day, I love you. She gets mad at me, I say, I love you. She wants something from me, she says, I love you. Words. Does it have power when it just leaves your lips? Sometimes we preach about God. We declare God's love. And we're doing all that with speech and words. But our actions don't show it. We say, love your neighbor. Yes, love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart. Yes, I love God with all my heart. And then we walk out those doors and it's like, there's no evidence that you're loving your neighbor. There's no evidence that you're loving God with your whole being. Don't just talk about love. Put your love into action. Then it will truly 
be love. What good is love that is not expressed? Christ laid down his life for us. Following Christ's example, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What does that even look like? You know, earlier this week, um, I was coming out of the chiropractor's office. I just packed all my kids in the van. We were waiting for my wife. And there came a man out of the corner of my eye, and I saw him coming up toward the van window. And he came out of this children's store where you could get children's wear for discount. And he had some cue cards. And before he asked anything, I already decided in my heart, he's coming up to me for something. So Lord, just guide me in this. All right, just guide me in this, Lord. I don't know what he wants, but I got my family in the car, and here comes this big guy coming up to my window. Who knows? I could lower my window. Anything could happen. But no fear. I prayed and asked God, okay, God, you know what? I think he needs something. I've decided in my heart I want to help him already. I don't even know what he needs. All right? On his cue card, he had a picture of his family, and he had five kids, and he just needs some extra money to buy formula for their kid, six months old. And I said, man, I feel you. You know, I got five kids too. Look, in the back seat, you know. And he's like, oh, please, you know, anything you could do to help. I said, I already had my hand in my wallet. I was taking out my money, and I gave him what I was willing to give him because, you know, sure, I could spare this for you. I feel for you. You need help too. We all need help. And then he says something. Thank you so much. God bless you. Um, can you help me some more? Please, I saw a 20 in there. And it puts you on the spot, man. You know, it's like one minute, you think, yeah, I'm going to help this guy. And then I have more money in there, and he thinks, oh, you could help me some more. And I'm thinking, man, I could help him some more because it's in my wallet, you know? And I'm not the sort of guy that thinks, oh, what's he going to do with this money? No, I've decided in my heart I'm going to give. That's what I do, right? And, and I'm clear of that. And I give it as though I'm, I'm giving to help whatever God's purpose is in that. But if I'm giving reluctantly, God doesn't like a reluctant giver. He likes a cheerful giver. So if I gave him the extra 20 and it was reluctant, guess what? It doesn't count for anything, all right? And um, I'm not pleasing God with that, and um, I'm short 20 bucks. But when I first saw him come out the corner of my eye, there was pity there. There was compassion. There was this drive that motivated. I wanted to do something to help him, and this is what I was willing to do. And I give it away with a prayer. And I offer it as an offering to God. All right? And I believe God could do so much with that $10 instead of the 20 But it was just a moment for me to reflect, man. It's like, it's true. Hold on. I drove away from that experience, and I was just like, whoa, I could have helped more. And I, I rationalize, but I have a, a family of my own I have to take care of. Formula is expensive. You know what I mean? So we rationalize. Love goes lower. Love serves. Just as God gave up his, all the rights of heaven and came down to this earth and served all mankind, he took the lowest form to serve all of creation in Jesus Christ. If I follow Christ, I need to be able to learn what his love looks like. Hey, don't just talk about love, but put love into action. 
then it will truly be love. That same day, the fella that I gave the 10 bucks to, he walked into the pizza place that was right in front of me. Maybe he's buying pizza for his family. I don't know, you know? But I needed to buy food for my family. So I went down to the nearest KFC. It's quick, it's easy, satisfies all my kids. So I go in there and I order, you know what, some popcorn chicken and some hot wings. I wanted hot wings, okay? And they, they put it all together, you park out front, they bring it to you with a smile, sorry for the wait. I'm like, don't worry about it, thank you so much for feeding my family. You know, and then I drive away, go home, and I open the bucket and I'm like, this is not hot wings. My wife says, did you order hot wings or, or spicy chicken? I said, hot wings. She goes, I don't think these are hot wings. So I said, okay, I'll go back. So I went back, and uh, as soon as I walked in, they saw me holding the bag of chicken, they saw me holding my receipt, and the lady behind the counter, she goes, um, oh, 20 hot wings? I said, yes. And she goes, we are so sorry. As soon as you drove away, we knew, we knew our problem. I'm so sorry that we mixed it up. The bucket was the same. Said, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know, thank you. Just and then the next lady comes up and she's like, oh, we are so sorry. I'm like, don't worry about it. It's cool, you know, just thank you for fixing the problem, you know. And, and while I'm there, they're all apologizing. I'm like, well, people must not be very nice to these workers. And um, after they're like, you know, we're making you a fresh batch. If you don't mind waiting, we don't want to give you old stale wings. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I could wait. I just, I live across the street. And I saw them smiling at me and they're talking to each other. Then the lady comes up and gives me, she goes, excuse me, um, you eat chicken, yes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then she puts the other bag that I brought in and she goes, here, we're so sorry. You're so kind, so nice. I'm like, wow, are you sure about that? I don't want anyone getting in trouble. Uh, like, you're, you're making it right. You're giving me my wings. They're like, no, really. Thank you so much for being so understanding. Thank you so much for being so patient. Um, you're so kind. I said, wow. You know, I walked out of there thinking, wow, people are not nice to these people. And a little love can go a long way. I'm not talking about scoring free chicken. Okay? Don't go to Jollibee and try to mix up the order so you get free chicken. That's not the moral of the story. Treating people with respect and dignity, right? Treating people with kindness, being patient with them, being understanding. I'm like, hold on, in that moment, I used to be the guy that would be like, excuse me, um, I ordered 20 wings and I don't think this is what it is. And you try and get free stuff that way. I didn't want free stuff. I just want my, my wings to make my wife happy. But what a blessing, you know, to know that you've been able to love somebody, love your neighbor, and your neighbor is anybody that you come in contact with in the day. Anybody that's in your life today, that's your neighbor. So right now, y'all, you're my neighbor. And the way that I'm loving you right now is sharing this message that God has given me because I don't want to keep it for myself. I want to share this with you in hopes that you will take something that God will speak to you through this message and will motivate you by his love and his spirit to go out and share his love with more people. That's what this is about. Remember, we're talking about God's love has a purpose. And are you fulfilling the purpose of God's love in your life? Okay? 
perfected love does, okay? It's active. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's talk about this. These verses we just read. What is the opposite of fear? What is the opposite of fear? Is it love? If you're afraid, fear, what's the opposite of that? Not fear. <laughs> Perfect love? What else? Boldness, confidence, right? Courage. That's the opposite of fear. Okay? What perfect love does, it drives out that fear so that we can be confident, so we could be bold, so we could have courage. Perfect love drives out fear. Now, when we say this verse, it's not just, oh, God's love is perfect, so I'm going to claim God's love so that I don't have to be afraid anymore. And we use it like a nightlight. We use God's love like a nightlight to make the dark fears go away but we're still afraid, all right? Stop and think about this, right? It's like perfect love is love in action, okay? If I go out and I live out the love that God has given me and I share that love with other people, that gets rid of my fear. Fear of what? Fear of judgment from God. At the deepest level of it all, Fear is about missing out. Fear is about not reaching that fullest potential. Fear is a dark place, all right? When I live out God's love in my life, then I know I'm living for him. I know I'm being led by his spirit. I know I have received his love because I can't give his love if I don't have it first. That is very affirming when I'm able to love other people the way that God loves us? Why? Why is that affirming? It pushes out the fear. I, I now operate with a God confidence, all right? Why do you think God commanded you love your neighbor? He gives you the command so you could discover this God confidence. I don't feel confident. I can't love other people until I get more of God's love. You won't get more of God's love. He's already given it all. You just haven't experienced it yet. Why? Because I need to hoard more. I need more of God's love before I could go out and, and give the guy my change. What? He laid down his life for you. What are you willing to do? Are you giving your life as a living sacrifice to God so he could use you for his purposes to love all the people around you? That was his command. Love your neighbors. I'm going to give you what you need to love your neighbors. Go on my love. But God, I need more of your love. Kawawa. <laughs> right? But it talks about in that verse we, we read, perfect love casts out fear. So on that day of judgment, we could stand with confidence. Because we know we're living for God and with God and God is alive in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And his life is it, just what it does. It loves others. Eh? 
So if you feel like I don't really love people enough, guys, oh man, I want to see a God confidence in you that nobody could dispute, you know? Sometimes we do good things to try and prove that we're good people. We try to do um, charity work to prove that we're good Christians. But you can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving because that's what love does. We read about it, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is just, (laughs) it's what happens with love. When you love, you give. All right? Is that news for anybody here today? When you love, you give. Some people think when you're in a relationship, I love you, where's my gift? I love you, what did you buy me for my birthday? I love you, did you get the bag I was eyeing? Mm. I love you, oh, not that ring, honey. What could I get out of this relationship? That's not love. In any of your relationships, friendships, marriages, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, your, whatever relationship you have right now, uh, your coworkers, your boss, don't walk into any situation with another human being and say, what could I get out of this? Because the moment we go, what could I get out of it? Guess what? Love is out the door. Show up wherever you go. In all things, do what God does. Love. And when you love, you give. And when you give, there's a generosity that just starts to flow from you. And you're, you're like, where, where am I getting this that I could keep giving? God's love never fails. God's love never ends. God's love never runs dry. So if you feed on his love every day, guess what? You always got more to give. No excuses. You might be tired one day because you don't love yourself enough to sleep. My wife says, please, Tim, take care of yourself. Please, you have to sleep too. I'm like, but I'm taking care of her kid and I want you to sleep too and we're so loving at home. No, you sleep. No, you sleep. I'm like, I just wish the baby would sleep. You know, and we're like martyrs, you know. No, I'm sacrificing my sleep so that you would be more pleasant because I have to live with you tomorrow. We're still navigating through all that. You know, when, you're, when you don't sleep, when you don't love yourself, it says love your neighbor as yourself. If you deprive yourself of what you need, right, to experience more of God's love, if you're doing things that cause you to grumble and, and, and pout, then you're not allowing yourself to experience God's love, right? And your sacrifice, it's not worth anything. Uh, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, before that whole list, um, Paul was writing in the letter, I could do all these amazing things, but if I have love, if I don't have love, I have nothing, all right? Do you have love in your life? As long as you know you have love in your life, 
then you know you have something worth living for. Okay? Think about how love affects you. What is life like with love and what is life like without love? With love, it feels good, right? Makes you feel like you want to do more. It motivates you. You feel happy sometimes. Um, it makes you want to look forward to more things when there's love in your life. But when there's a uh, life without love experienced in it, you might feel hopeless. You might feel out of control. You're operating from a place of deficit instead of a place of overflow. All right? When, when there's love in your life, you just you don't want the sun to go down. You just want to linger in that moment for, for a little longer. What does it look like for you? Think about it. How did God express his love for us? Do you know the answer? He sent his son to die in our place so that we could have life with him, right? I mean, that's how God expressed his love for us. Question, what was his goal and his purpose in doing that? To save us? To bring us back to him? To bring us into relationship with him again? Right? So we could enjoy his presence? I mean, he had a goal and a purpose in that. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm sending Jesus so a bunch of you guys could uh, migrate over to heaven and hang out in my house for a while. You know? So much more than that. What is God's purpose in his love? When we accept his love, what happens? Now, I'm not giving any answers to these. These are questions that you just have to think about. These are questions you need to consider. Um, pray about it and ask God to reveal some things to you about how you understand his love. Let's wrap this up here. Love elements. Let's look at John chapter 13, verse 35. It says in your handout, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All right? This is the fruit. This is the evidence, okay? How do you know a blueberry bush is a blueberry bush? It bears blueberries, right? But before the fruit actually comes out, what does it look like? It's a bunch of leafy green stuff. How do you know it's a blueberry bush? You don't know. You just kind of have to wait until the fruit comes out, right? Imagine this. You, you're tending to this beautiful tree. Somebody tells you, I got you a fruit tree, and they, they don't tell you what kind of fruit it is. I got you a fruit tree. Oh, I always wanted a fruit tree. And you're thinking, what kind of fruit? I hope it's my favorite. I hope it's mango. I hope it's a mango tree. And you tend to this tree, and you prune it, and you clear the space, and you water it, and you make sure that it's growing. And after all those years of taking care of it, finally you see little white buds. And then you see the fruit pop out. And it's a cherry. All the time you thought you were, you were hanging out with a mango tree. And you were hopeful that one day you would see mango come off this tree. But instead you get 
cherries. Who likes cherries? Who likes mangoes better? All right, yeah. So you would be disappointed, right? How about you're hanging out with a bunch of people, okay? And you met them at church, and you think they're from church. They must be God people too. So let's go hang out, and you hang out with them, and you get to know them more and more, and all of a sudden you realize, wait, hold on. They're talking about me behind my back. They're stealing from my purse. They're telling people things that aren't true about me, and you're like, hold on, these are my friends. You hang out with them, you're at church, and you think that they should be bearing some sort of fruit that resembles Christ. They pretend it might look good for a while, and then you become disillusioned. The fruit is of utmost importance. The fruit is evidence of what truly is. If you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and you cannot love your brother and sister, if you say you love God but you hate your brother or sister, you're a liar. Not my words. That's in the Bible. Yes. The fruit is telling, right? I like what John Piper writes. He says, uh, perfect love is love that does not die on the vine. It's love that comes to fruition. Okay, listen to that again. Perfect love is a love that does not die on the vine. It's love that comes to fruition. So in the waiting, it doesn't just stop there. It has to come to fruition. It has to come to this fuller evidence. And what is in the fruit? Seeds. And seeds are meant to multiply. Seeds are meant to keep things going. Just like the love of God, friends, the love of God never ends. The love of God never fails. It doesn't stop. It's eternal, the love of God. So as that fruit becomes evident in your life, you're meant to pass that on into the life of another person. And God will continue to do a work in that person's life. And they get to experience God's love and it cycles through. And then when it comes to fruition, then they will bless somebody else with that fruit of God's love. And that love just keeps going and going. And God says, go and make disciples in all the world. Go and make disciples. Teach them everything that I've taught you. Speak my truth over their life. Reveal me to everybody. As you love one another, they will know you are my disciples. Keep loving. Keep loving. Too many of my friends have left the church because the churches that they go to, they're like, wow, those people are hypocrites, man. Wow, those aren't Christians at all. I thought this was a safe place, you know, and, like, and they leave and they don't come back. And it's sad and it breaks my heart, right? Because the fruit isn't there. 
Love is light. Let's look at these verses here, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Genesis 1, 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he said that that was good. The first thing he said, let there be light, and there was light, and he declared that to be good. John 1, 4-5 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your good deeds of love. Remember, love in action is perfected love. It's not flawless love, but the fact that you're living out the love that God has given you, you're doing what love does. That is perfected love. A faith without works is dead. They need to be paired together. You cannot love God in your heart and not love out. That love is also dead. Okay? It's not perfected. It's not carried out. It's not complete. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can you see love? No, it's an invisible thing. Can you see the sun? You know it's there. You see this bright light, we call it the sun, but what is the sun really? What are you seeing? You're seeing light. Have you ever been able to really just sit and stare and observe and take in that sun? No, you can't really see the sun. You know it's there because there's some sort, it has some sort of effect on you, okay? Same thing with love. We can't see it, but love is powerful. It's a force. Okay, and there's something about love that can impact you, that has some sort of effect on you. C.S. Lewis says this, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun, not because I can see it, but by it I can see everything else. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful. I want to take C.S. Lewis' little verse there and replace that with God's love. God's love is a light that helps you see this darkness that you've been living in, helps you filter through everything in life. It puts everything into perspective. God's love is revealing, okay? God's love unmasks everything we've hidden away from God. And then as we uncover before God and leave ourselves vulnerable to God and allow God to have his way in us once all that's uncovered, his light pushes out all that darkness, clears up all the dark spaces. He says, now that you're aware of this, we're going to deal with this. You know that secret sin that you've been struggling with? We're going to deal with that now. You know all those things that are keeping you far from me? We're going to deal with that now. And God's love comes in and it rearranges your life and it messes you up and it makes you whole again. It's a painful process. Yeah? It's a painful process. Um, 
Jesus said, yeah, if you follow me, the world's going to hate you. If you follow me, yeah, there's going to be suffering. If you follow me, you're going to have to die to yourself. If you follow me, you've got to lay down your life and follow me. It's easy to follow Jesus because he is light. There's no guesswork with Jesus anymore. If we're following Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of the darkness. Why? Because following Jesus requires perfect love. When we say we follow Jesus, it requires perfect love. It means you have accepted God's love and you have allowed God to love through you. You say, I'm joining you, God, in your mission to love this world. I'm joining you, God, in this mission to bring light to all the darkness in this world. I'm joining you, God, in your mission to let people know about your love, not just in my word, but in my deed. Help me love the way that you love, O oh God, that others can come and see you too. First John chapter 4, verses 12 to 14 talks about abiding. No one has ever seen God. If we are loving one another, God is abiding in us, and his love has been perfected in us. But this we know, that we are abiding in him and he in us, because he has given us to his spirit. And we have seen and are testifying that the Father has sent forth the Son to be the Savior of the world. As we love one another, we can be certain that God abides in us. Let's just sit on that for a second. Are we so proud that we do not allow God into our heart, into our life? We don't allow God to abide in us. When we choose not to love others, ask yourself why you choose not to love. Ask yourself, why am I not more willing to love? Don't I want God to be known? Don't I want to live for God's glory? What does it look like to live a life of love? If there's someone that you haven't forgiven yet, you could choose in your heart today to forgive that person. That person might not be alive anymore, but they wronged you in such a horrible way. You can still forgive them today. Because as long as you hang on to hate and unforgiveness, you cannot lead a life of love in Christ Jesus. He came to forgive us of our sins. Who are we to stop that forgiveness from reaching other people? That's the love. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. You might not feel that person that wronged you deserves eternal life. But guess what? That's not up to you. And the longer it takes you to forgive, the longer it takes you to experience God's love. The moment, I promise you, the moment you decide in your heart and your mind, you say, I forgive this person, I promise you, the love of God will sweep into your life and start healing you from the inside out. I promise you, it is some experience you have never experienced before in your life, and it's the best feeling in the world, guys. Don't hang on to hate. Cling to God's love. That's how great God's love is. It doesn't only change you. It changes the world. All right? It changes the world. Question is, are you going to get in the way of God's love being expressed today? Or are you going to join God in his mission and start expressing his love everywhere you go? Love your neighbor as yourself, but you got to love God first, hey? You got to love God first. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. If you read that verse, and don't put it in the song, right? Oh, how I love Jesus. You know, I love him because he first loved me. We can't say we love God and hate our enemies, right? What this is saying, I can love now because I've been loved by God. If I haven't been loved by God, I cannot love. Okay? This isn't about you. It's about God's love flowing through you so that God would be glorified as more people get to know his love. We love because he first loved us. Okay? We, collective, the church of believers, the body of believers, God's family, we love because we've known the love of our Father. I hope one day I have taught my children well enough that as they go out there, they want to live and show people that they're part of my family. The lessons that I've taught them, everything that, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with them, go out there, love other people. Go out there, be a kind person. Go out there, show people who God is, you know? Because they're my kids and I'm their dad, I hope that they would take those traits that I want them to have and live it out. In the same way, God wants the best for you, his children. He wants you to take his traits, his attributes, love, righteousness, holiness, compassion, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Take all that and live that out. That's leading a life of love. And you don't have to worry that it's ever going to run out. Right? Love comes from God. Once you have received his love, do with it what it was meant to do. Give it away. Spread it around. There is an abundant supply. Love starts with a smile. 
Love starts with a smile. Okay. Smile at your neighbor today. <laughs>